I'm James Briarton in Charlotte with the latest on the cleanup and recovery efforts underway following the aftermath of Hurricane Isaias. The storm made landfall Monday at 11.10 p.m. near Ocean Isle Beach, North Carolina, and as it did, it produced winds of 85 miles an hour, storm surge up to 5 feet, and left behind a trail of damage across coastal and eastern North Carolina. We're getting our first look at the damage left behind by the hurricane and a large fire in Ocean Isle Beach, where Ethan Clark says nine homes caught fire. About half of the homes on the island had water damage. Um, we had probably the outer bands come, and then the eye wall came through, and that was probably, I'd say we had winds gusting 65 to 70. It was enough to close the bridge, so it was at least over 50 sustained. Um, and now we have a surge about four and a half feet. Where I am, I'm at the highest point where bone dry, other than our backyard has about four feet but we're not flooding our house yet um most of the island east and west ends are both underwater canal streets have probably about three or four feet of water underneath homes as the storm moved ashore it knocked down trees and power lines producing over 200,000 power outages in north carolina an ef1 tornado snapped 100 trees and produced roof damage to several homes in bellevue a community in brunswick county at least two people have died from the storm when a tornado ripped through the windsor community in birdie county our Dan Whitaker is there. The damage is definitely fairly significant. I've probably seen 20 or so homes with structural damage, uh, one to two commercial buildings with fairly significant damage, including one of those buildings having their food truck also turned over in front of their building and uh, a bunch of the windows missing and a lot of trees down. However, a lot of the roads are still being barricaded by the police who told me that they were continuing to do search and rescue missions to pull people out of debris from the homes that had collapsed. That neighborhood, they were not allowing anyone into, so I was not able to see the actual damage in that section. In Cherry Grove, South Carolina, numerous people and pets rescued from their homes after four feet of storm surge. Chris Jackson joined us for Monday night's live coverage. I'm going to say there's at least 70% of this community that's underwater. I don't know if I can head back south uh, toward North Myrtle Beach, but there is no way out of here on, on uh, at South Carolina Highway 9, the main road out of uh, Cherry Grove. It's, a, it's about <laughs> five feet deep in water right now. Uh, now we're starting to get the southwesterly wind on the back side of the eye wall, and the water's completely changed directions. Elsewhere across the region, flood reports as far inland as Raleigh, a rainfall measurement near Oxford reporting five inches of rain. During the storm, 24 shelters were opened across North Carolina, and officials said less people than have historically been seen use those shelters. They're hoping evacuees took their advice to seek shelter and isolate with friends or family inland during this coronavirus pandemic. As cleanup continues, those same officials are reminding everyone to practice good health hygiene. Wash your hands, wear a mask, and keep your distance, even while trying to help your fellow neighbor. We'll hear from the governor in just a moment. Isaias continued northward along the I-95 corridor, where the storm produced damaging winds near the nation's capital, as well as in New Jersey, near Philadelphia, and the New York tri-state area, where more than 300,000 customers are without power on New York's Long Island after winds on the backside of the storm gusted to near 80 miles an hour. On this Wednesday, the remnants of the storm are moving up towards Canada.
The Carolina Weather Group will have full coverage of the aftermath of Hurricane Isaias right here with updates on our podcast feed and updates anytime as well on social media where you can find the Carolina Weather Group on Facebook, Twitter, Periscope, and Twitch. Coming up next, full audio from Tuesday's briefing with North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper and his state officials as they discussed cleanup efforts ongoing in their state. Good afternoon, everybody, and thank you for joining. Last night, Hurricane Isaias made landfall a little after 11 p.m. at Ocean Isle Beach. The storm ripped ashore with 85-mile-per-hour winds and storm surge of three to five feet, leaving behind a trail of damage. Several of our eastern counties were hit hard by this storm. Damaging winds and likely tornadoes spun out from the storm, including one in Bertie County that tragically killed two people and sent about a dozen others to the hospital. Our thoughts are with the family and the friends who are mourning loved ones today, and with those who were hurt or had property damaged. The span of damage from inland Bertie homes to coastal communities shows how these storms can destroy anything in their path. And that is why preparation is so important. Many communities in the Southeast have closed off streets and set curfews. State parks in the Southeast are also closed. Please stay away from damaged areas to allow disaster assessment teams to do their work. As of about 2.30 p.m., there are a little over 172,000 homes without power Line workers have been out since early this morning working to get the lights back on, and we appreciate their efforts. Fortunately, this storm was fast moving and has already left our state. Today's sunny skies will let us assess the damage and begin cleanup right away. Our North Carolina Department of Transportation crews have been out all day clearing roadways and removing debris. I've spoken with the president to update him on how we fared and he has pledged help, and will continue, we will continue to be in touch with FEMA and other federal government agencies as we calculate the state's needs. Shelters housed evacuees safely at the height of the storm last night. Overnight, there were 24 shelters open in the state. In North Carolina, we don't have the luxury of sitting back and see how hurricane season goes. That's especially true during a pandemic. State and local emergency managers that already working around the clock on COVID-19, spent months preparing for a hurricane, detailing the extra precautions we would need this year during the pandemic. I'm thankful for their work and pray we don't need to see it in action again anymore this year. A great example of how vital preparation can be occurred this morning. Search and rescue teams from other parts of the state were strategic, strategically positioned in the east and they were able to deploy quickly to Bertie County to assist local emergency responders. There had been reports of missing children, but on the information we have just received from local authorities, that has been determined not to be the case, and that's a good thing. As cleanup continues, don't forget that the pandemic is still with us. So help your neighbor, but do it safely. Wear your mask, keep your distance, and bring your hand sanitizer. Our state has recovered from some fierce storms over the years. As we pick up the pieces today, let's harness that spirit of recovery and resilience 
that has gotten us through tough times before. At this time, I'm going to ask Director of Emergency Management Mike Sprayberry to provide an update. Mike. Thank you, Governor, and thank you for your leadership. Today is day 148 of the COVID-19 response at the State Emergency Operations Center, and it is day five of the Isaias activation. It was a busy night last night for many of our counties and emergency responders working to address the sheltering needs, conduct search and rescue operations, and respond to emergency situations. There were 24 shelters open last night, which housed approximately 40 people. We were prepared with non-congregate sheltering, but many people heeded the advice to stay with family or friends or at a hotel, and it wasn't needed. As the governor mentioned, one of our swift water rescue teams rescued two individuals from a flooded home in Bertie County. Members from state search and rescue task forces assisted today with the search in Bertie County where a tornado touchdown was suspected. In other areas, teams are assisting with damage assessments. These damage assessments will help us gather data and determine eligibility for a federal disaster declaration for our hard hit communities. Dare County has completed its damage assessment on Hatteras Island, and with limited impacts, the island reopened to residents and visitors today at 2 p.m. National Weather Service meteorologists will be surveying in the next few days to confirm possible tornado touchdowns in three locations, on Ballhead Island in Brunswick County, near Windsor and Bertie County, and near Manola and Hertford County. Structure fires and house fires erupted in several coastal communities in Brunswick County where Isaias made landfall last night, making for a very difficult night for firefighters who were fighting fires and managing local rescue and response operations. Power outages peaked at about 7 o'clock this morning with roughly 375,000 homes and businesses without power. Utility crews began aggressive restoration work early this morning, and those outages are rapidly trending down. If your power is out, remember these safety tips. Do not use a generator or grill inside your home or garage. They create carbon monoxide fumes that can be deadly. Use flashlights or battery power lights instead of candles. Stay clear of downed power lines. Remember that if a cell phone service is degraded, often a text message will go through even when a phone call won't. Floodwaters remain in several communities and are still covering some secondary roads, and the state remains under elevated threat for some minor downstream flooding later this week. If you encounter barriers closing a road, turn around and find another route. Turn around, don't drown. Do not drive around barriers which could lead you into floodwaters or onto damaged roads. DriveNC.gov provides current information on closed roads across the state. And like the governor said, do not forget to observe the three W's. Wear a face covering, wait six feet apart, and wash your hands to stop the spread of COVID-19. As always, don't forget to look out for your family, friends, and neighbors during the pandemic and the cleanup from Isaias. Call your loved ones today to make sure they're okay. Guaranteed they'll appreciate it. With kindness and cooperation, we'll all get through this together as one team, one mission, and one family. Thank you, Governor. 
Thank you, Director. I'd also like to recognize our Secretary of Transportation, Eric Boyette. Eric. Thank you, Governor. Today, roads across eastern North Carolina were impacted by localized flooding, downed trees, and other debris based on this storm. Currently, we have about 16 storm-related road closures. These numbers could change as DOT crews finalize our assessments. If you're traveling, we urge everyone, please be patient and be careful. Some areas are taking longer due to down power lines as our DOT crews are working with our utility partners to cut off the power before trees can be cut and removed from the roads. Also, as Director Sprayberry said, never drive through flooded roads and do not go around barricades or our high water signs. These signs are there to protect you. US 421 in Wilmington was closed this morning due to coastal flooding, but has reopened. The next day or so, we may see crests in our rivers and we may see experiencing of a localized flooding. NC-12 was also impacted due to soundside flooding, but the road has remained open. People who travel along the Outer Banks need to drive carefully. Our other transportation modes along the coast are working hard to get back up and running. Service on most of our coastal ferries is currently suspended, but we are working to restore operations as soon as possible. The Bayview to Aurora Ferry route did reopen this afternoon. We'll do test runs on all of our other ferry routes once weather permits, and we will reopen those routes individually as conditions do permit. We have sustained some dock damage at our Southport and Fort Fisher ferry facilities, and our staff is working to assess that damage. Our Wilmington and Moorhead City ports sustained minimal damage, and they are reopened this afternoon for employees and commercial operations. The storm has also impacted our Division of Motor Vehicles. The storm disrupted many of their DMV services, so please visit myncdmv.gov for updates. Governor. Thank you, Secretary Boyette. Also with me today is Major General Todd Hunt, the Adjutant General of the North Carolina National Guard, Colonel Glenn McNeil, the Commander of the State Highway Patrol, our Secretary of Public Safety, Eric Hooks, and Cody Kensley, Deputy Secretary at the Department of Health and Human Services. Jeff Greer and Monica McGee are our sign language interpreters, and behind the scenes, Jackie and Jasmine Mativier are our Spanish language interpreters. We'll now take questions from the media, if you can identify yourself and your organization. We'll take the first question. Our first question is from Michael Perchik with WTVD. Good afternoon, Governor. Thank you uh, for your time this afternoon. Will any coronavirus testing sites or have any coronavirus testing sites been impacted by ESIES? And what impact could this potentially have reopening plans? Uh, I know that some of the sites slowed down because of the weather and uh, the evacuations that were occurring, but I'm going to have Cody Kinsley, Deputy Secretary of the Department of Health and Human Services, to give you a little overview of that. Cody. Thank you, Governor, for your leadership and for continuing to stay focused on the pandemic in the midst of this disaster. 
We have had to close several of our testing sites for weather in the eastern part of the state. Uh, it was several dozen sites. Uh, we've immediately started to work to reschedule those to continue to make sure folks have access to testing. Uh, and in fact, now is a great time to remind folks that if you do need to be tested, go to find your testing site on our website to go ahead and make that appointment and go get tested today. Uh, and that is it for now. Thank you. Thank you. Next question, please. Our next question is from Paul Wolverton with the Fayetteville Observer. Uh, hi, this is Paul Wolverton with the Fayetteville Observer and the USA Today Network. Uh, my impression, Governor, is that the uh, public wasn't expecting the storm to be as strong as we saw, uh, particularly in Brunswick County. Uh, what level of storm was expected, and were you surprised at the strength of the hurricane, and how well were the public and government prepared for it? We always anticipate the worst, and that's how you can be prepared. I said at the beginning of this that we wanted to look back and to say that we overprepared. I think in southeastern North Carolina particularly, they have seen so many storms uh, come across. So I think, though, that they were somewhat surprised at the amount of storm surge, the fact that it was high tide, the fact that this storm did strengthen and become category one. Uh, I think that they had not expected that much water in Brunswick County. I've been talking to some of the local leaders down there and they do have some significant damage along the coast. Thankfully, as far as we know, uh, no injuries for that. But uh, I do believe that we were prepared, had shelters ready. Uh, that really wasn't needed down in Brunswick County. Now, comes the time where we need to assess the damages, begin the cleanup and repair. And I know that that's what they're going to do and we want to try to help all we can. Thanks, uh, next question, please. Our next question is from Michael Hyland with CBS 17. Hi, Governor, this is Michael Hyland from CBS 17. Um, even now, as we're talking about the uh, hurricane, there's a uh, court hearing underway at the same time in the uh, lawsuit the Lieutenant Governor has filed over your executive orders. I wanted to ask as you weigh whether to extend phase two this week, has your opinion changed at all on whether uh, you would need to get concurrence from the Council of State? Thank you. It depends on which part of the law that is being used uh, for the orders that we have in place that are protecting the public. Uh, it was not necessary to get concurrence of the Council of State. Uh, these protections have been important, and we see the results. Uh, we have been able to uh, stop the increase and to stabilize our numbers, and part of that is because of the orders that we've been able to put in place, particularly the mandatory mask mandate. We've seen uh, about three weeks after that, was put in place, which is the period of time you would begin to see changes in the numbers, we saw things flattening out. So clearly those orders are important for the public health and we believe the courts will see it that way as well. Next question, please. Our final question today will be from Lynn Bonner with the News and Observer. Thank you very much for taking my question. Um, this is Lynn Bonner from the News and Observer. News and Observer. Uh, Governor, um, tens of thousands of college students are returning to campus this week, and I'm wondering if you think science supports this decision. Um, 
are college students any less risky than middle and high school students who have to be taught online? And um, did anybody from the university system consult you or Dr. Cohen? Uh, the Department of Health and Human Services has provided public health guidance to the universities, and it essentially follows the CDC guidance. Clearly, uh, it is important to protect students and faculty, and yes, college students are susceptible uh, to be able to contract the virus and to give it to someone else. So the steps that they are taking at the universities to protect these students and faculty are absolutely critical, and we're going to continue to work with them to provide any advice that they might need. Next question. I think that does it for uh, today, I understand. Uh, thank you very much. We will be uh, having a press conference tomorrow concerning uh, COVID-19 and where we go from here. Thank you very much. That does it for this update from the Carolina Weather Group. I'm James Briarton in Charlotte. We'll see you back here real soon for more from the Carolina Weather Group.